0: Uh, If you guys didn't see, we are starting a new sermon series, and uh, we're going to actually go throughout the entire summer pressing in on this thing called the Way of the Kingdom. And uh, if you guys have been a part of Breakthrough long enough, or maybe you're you're here just for a while, one of the things that is at the heart of our church uh, is that we are a house of transformation. That we are a community, we are a body of people that are after transformation, and the moment we stop going after transformation is the moment we stop being a church uh, because this is our heartbeat, that if you're coming to Breakthrough, maybe you're just coming here for one day and you're never gonna come back or you're coming for five months or five years, our desire is that you would leave this environment and this space looking more like Jesus, that you would come in this place and, and you would leave with more healing. <laughs> you would leave with more freedom. You would leave manifesting the fruit of the Spirit in your day-to-day, that your marriage, come on, your marriage will look so much more vibrant and healthy and beautiful, because this is a house of transformation. And so we're going to just dive in because, you know, this is my first time preaching in weeks, so I'm going to take as much time as I want, right? You guys don't have anything else to do, right? Um, So let's just dive right in. If you guys want to go to Proverbs uh, 14 verse 12. You guys ready to go in the deep end? All right. Proverbs 14 12. It says this There is a way, say way, way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Oof. That's intense. Now, what it's saying here is that there is a path, right? Other translations say that there is a path before each person that seems right but it ends in death that you can be walking a path you can be walking in a way that you're like man I mean I think this is the right thing like my intentions are good like I'm not I'm not doing anything harmful to anyone else like I'm not offending anyone like it seems like it's right but what it's saying here is there's a path that you're walking and you may think that it's right but at the end you're actually walking off a cliff that's a warning. (laughs) And so when we talk about the way of the kingdom, which we're going to be talking for two months, hope you guys are ready, for two months, is that there is a different way. There is a different path that Jesus came to bring to invite us to walk into. And who knows that way leads to life. That way leads to life abundantly. And when we see this word death, I think we, we hear that and we're like, man, that's so intense. Like, just walking in the path of death. But when you understand death, what is death? Death is decay. <laughs> that we're walking in a way that we just, yeah, maybe this is the right thing. I'm not doing anything bad. So that must be right. But you're walking and living a life that at the end, it's just decay. At the end, you're just Fading. <laughs> The fruit of your life is just things that are fading, that you're not producing anything that is actually eternal. There is a way that seems right to man. So let's jump to Matthew 4.17. This is Jesus. And this is Jesus starting his public ministry. All right. Jesus has officially started his public ministry and it says this in Matthew, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want us to see this, because this word repentance has gotten such a bad rap, because our good old fire and brimstone brothers, Right? But this word repentance is is such a beautiful word, such a beautiful word, that I believe that repentance is actually a gift. Say repentance is a gift. I want that to like be ingrained in your mind. Repentance is a gift, right? The word repent, right, simply means to change the way you think or to change the way you are going. And so Jesus is saying, the kingdom is near. The kingdom of heaven is coming. But for you to access this kingdom, you have to change the way that you're thinking. You have to change the way that you're going. And the thing is, guys, is that repentance will always cost us something. Repentance will always cost us something. It requires us unlearning the patterns of this world. It may cost us laying down our idea of what is right, of what is true. Right? We're living in a day and age where what is right and what is true is so distorted and no one knows anymore what is right, what is true. That repentance will cost you something. Following Jesus, as we know, will cost us everything. That's why Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. But what? But be transformed by renewing your mind. That who knows that right thinking leads to right believing and right believing leads to right living. That's the recipe for transformation. If we want to see transformation in our marriages and in our individual lives, in in our our struggles, it all starts here. You have to unlearn the patterns of this world. There is a pathway. There are patterns of thinking. Oh, you messed up, so you should be condemned. That's a worldly thinking. There's patterns of thinking that Jesus is saying you will miss Everything that I'm building, that I'm ushering into your life, if you do not change the way you're going and sacrifice what you think is right and embody what I say is right. That's heavy. Like, that isn't, like, fluff, guys. (laughs) But what I love is that repentance always leads to renewal. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. uh, repentance always leads to renewal Tim Keller he says this quote I want you guys to hear this he says that repentance isn't the way into salvation it's the way of salvation no amens for that one come on that was a good one like we think that repentance is just this thing we do one time we're saved Jesus I repent for my sins I receive you I'm gonna go to heaven amen period But I love this because repentance isn't just this like one moment of your life. It's literally every day. Like every day we're constantly having to unlearn things. Every day we're constantly having to renew our mind to say, Jesus, what do you say is true? This person just offended me and hurt me. What do you say is true? The world says, yeah, flick them off, right? (laughs) Right? Get mad at them. Like, they deserve it. Justice. But Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Give them the other cheek to hit. This kingdom's, I don't know. It's kind of different, guys. Repentance is the way of salvation. Now, who knows salvation? Again, it's happened, but it's also happening. That we are saved, but we're being saved. Right? We're, we're saved, but we're being renewed. We're being conformed into the image of Jesus. This is what transformation is. I want you to see this. Very simple. Transformation isn't like, all right, you were a caterpillar, now you're a butterfly, right? <laughs> but it's this thing where it's like, if, if, if I was a sculptor, and I have clay, and let's say the clay is my life, And the model that I'm I'm sculpting the clay after is Jesus, right? Jesus is the model. Come on. And transformation says, I'm going to conform my life into the image to look like Jesus. That's the goal of the Christian life. That's what we're going after. That's what this series is going after. Can I talk about emotions for a second? Yeah. All right. I think that in the church, we, we give emotions a bad rap, right? And uh, me and my wife, we, we've been going through this journey the past couple of months uh, of learning to have a healthier marriage and learning how to live in a way of constant connection. And uh, our, our counselors, they're, they're, or my, our counselor who was talking to us, And for me, right, for all the men in the room, man, we suck with our emotions. Like we just, yeah, come on. We just don't know what to do with it. We're like, I feel sad, but you know I'm a man, so it's like, it's whatever. Uh, Like I'll deal with that later, right? There's enough emotions in my wife for the two of us. But the thing that we learn in this journey that our counselor said, he said, emotions aren't good or bad. They just happen to you. That emotions are neither good or bad. They're just, they happen to you. But it's what you do with the emotions that define if it's good or bad. (laughs) And I believe one of the gifts of emotions, because our emotions also have to be renewed. Is that when emotions come up, they're warning signs. Okay, this person offended me, and I got hurt. Okay, that's an emotion. Process that. That's valid. I feel hurt. But then it's what you do with after, after that. Man, I'm going to dwell. I hate this person. They suck. I suck. Right? That's where it gets unhealthy. And that's the line where Holy Spirit's like, hey, warning, warning, warning. That needs to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That emotion, that's a warning sign that there's, there's something in you that has yet to be conformed into his image. Yeah. And so this is, guys, when, when, when Proverbs said, there is a way that seems right to a man. Like this just removes the veil. We're like, whoa, there's so much more going on behind the surface. So Luke 4, 43, let's go there. It says this, but he replied, I must preach the good news or the gospel of the kingdom of God in other towns too because this is why I was sent. That's a really crazy verse. Jesus says that I must, must preach this good news, this gospel of the kingdom because this is why I was sent. Why was Jesus sent? To preach the gospel of the kingdom. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus said, I was sent to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, let's go to Matthew 4, 23. It says this, Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness. So one of the things that we see in Jesus' ministry when he comes to bring in this new kingdom is that he taught the kingdom and he demonstrated the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom by healing the sick, Right? Opening blind eyes, raising the dead, the supernatural signs and wonders. But then he also taught the kingdom and lived the kingdom by changing the way people think. That this kingdom, there's a new pattern of thinking. And I want you to hear this because we're a very charismatic church, but that is just as important as the latter. Having a kingdom mindset reality is just as powerful and impactful as walking in signs and wonders. So I want to frame this, what the kingdom is. Very simply, the kingdom, the definition, the kingdom is wherever God rules and reigns. Yes, okay, what is the kingdom? It's wherever God rules and reigns. The word kingdom literally means the king's domain. right, kingdom, the king's dominion. Wherever the king is ruling and reigning, that's where his kingdom is. And so Jesus is saying, I'm coming to announce there's a new kingdom. Israel, you're under the tyranny of the kingdom of Rome, and you're being oppressed. But I'm coming to bring a new kingdom that's going to be established all over the world. And in this kingdom, it's going to look very different. In this kingdom, God is actually going to be the ruler, not man. But we need to see that this is why Jesus came. This was his mission. This was Jesus' mission on earth. That he came to usher in an entire new reality of life, God. That in theology, we talk about the kingdom, this term, right? The, The now and the not yet. This idea that the kingdom is already here, right? That there is a present reality of the kingdom, but there is also a future hope. That because of Jesus, right? Scripture says that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy through the Holy Spirit. Because we have the Holy Spirit, his kingdom can manifest through us. And on earth, we can see God's kingdom expand on the earth. But as you guys know, we don't see its full reality, right? Not everyone that we pray for gets healed, Not everyone that we talk to receives forgiveness. So there's this unique reality as Christians that we live in the now and the not yet. Where we are here and and our mission and our goal is I want to see as much of that kingdom on earth before I leave. But we also have this future hope that God is going to make all things new. Just like Spencer said, we're going to wipe away every tear where we're going to dwell with God, where we can see God face to face. We can be in his presence every second without even thinking. Like, I I love that moment when we just just sang Maranatha. Like, even in the room, you're like, I don't really know what's going on, but like, you felt the presence, right? (laughs) That in Revelation, it says, the spirit and the bride said, come. There's this prophetic picture of the end time church where the spirit and the church are in complete unity. This is what we're going after. This is what we're pursuing. And they're in unity beckoning Jesus' return. And so when Jesus came, he, he announced the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is at hand. And this is why he teaches his disciples to pray this. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you guys to to see this. I want to ask you guys this question. Does your understanding of the gospel fit the kingdom in it? Are you believing the same gospel that Jesus preached? Hear me, I'm not trying to like, don't throw stones yet. Like, yes, we understand the gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. But that's just the entry point. (laughs) That's just the key to enter in. But Jesus is actually saying, hey, at the other side, after you receive the key, there's this kingdom that you can now live in and that you're invited to release on the earth. That he didn't just save us out of something, but he also saved us into something. That the full view that Jesus revealed that the gospel is that he died so that our old nature can be crucified with him. And as he rose, we resurrected into new life, receiving Jesus's righteousness. And now our new nature is identified with Christ. And because of that, we can live and walk in his same authority and release his kingdom and be transformed by his kingdom reality into all the earth. That's good news. That's really good news. That as a church, if you know our, our, our beliefs and just our, our, our pillars, I would say, right, presence, family, mission, that's our DNA as a church. This is what we're going after is presence, family, mission. And when we talk about mission, mission is what we do from our city to the nations to further the name of Jesus and his kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. That our mission is his mission. That we're not here to build our own ministry, to, to build our own kingdom, but we're here to say, Jesus, we want to continue what you started. That Jesus, your mission is our mission. That we want to see people saved and set free and delivered and being conformed into your image. Our mission is your mission. And in Colossians 1:13, I love this. Because I, I, I feel like this, this frames. The gospel in such a beautiful and full way that I don't think a lot of us have, have read. But it says this for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. So before Jesus, there was the kingdom, there was a ruler and, and 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 a reign of tyranny that we were under. Right? Darkness, depression, death, sin. That he rescued us from this kingdom. And into he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That is so good. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into a new kingdom with a new ruler, with new values, with new laws. And in it, he purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You guys got to write this down, put on a sticky note on your wall, meditate on this because it's so good. So Jesus came to establish his kingdom. Because of sin, we've been born into a different kingdom. One, as Proverbs says, leads to the way of death. That who knows that every kingdom has its own culture. Or every nation has its own culture. You know, I grew up in the, the Philippines for a lot of my childhood. And when we came to America, such a different culture. Like the way people thought were so different. The way people acted was so different. And I remember one of, one of the funniest things when, when I moved to America, right? But I was just like, this is so new. It was the fact that there was grass everywhere. In the Philippines, literally there's like no grass. Like there's patches maybe here and there. But everyone's yard is just dirt, right? And I remember in the Philippines, if you had grass, you were like wealthy. So you can literally buy like patches of like, Square patches of grass and plant in your yard. And I remember as a kid. I'm like god like like like, dad I, I want grass like in America. They have grass. It's super nice Like I want grass in my yard. So we would buy patches of grass over time But we just like couldn't afford it. So it's just like we just had a one a little five by five patch of grass And I remember when we moved to America my parents bought a house Like our whole yard was just grass everywhere and I was like, oh my gosh, we're rich Like this is amazing and it's so funny, but it's like the, the culture of a nation, the culture of a kingdom affects the way you think and the way you live and the way you act. I remember when I got married to my wife, right? There's so much multicultural differences. Like, she was like, you're with your family all the time. i like, I need some space, right? There's all these cultural differences. And I want us to see this, guys, because the, the, the kingdom that we are a part of, the kingdom that we're actually citizens of operates very differently than the kingdom of this world. So what that means is if you're going to be a part of it, your life's going to have to look a little different. The way you live and think is going to look a little different. So I want to go into Matthew 5, which is the meat of what this series is. But I want to give some context. So in a few chapters earlier, right, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water. He sees the Holy Spirit descend on him. People hear the Father say, this is my son, my beloved, whom I'll please, right? This crazy supernatural moment. Then he's led into the wilderness and he's tested 40 days. His identity is tested, right? See, it says, if you are the son of God, then do this, right? His identity that the father just spoke over him is being tested. And he comes out of the wilderness triumphant. And it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he came out and it was at that moment that he started his ministry. And he started announcing and saying, repent, everyone change the way that you're thinking because the kingdom is at hand. And it all leads to this moment in Matthew 5, where he's gathering crowds, where crowds have gathered around him, and he's about to announce the kingdom, and he's about to teach on his kingdom. And Matthew 5, 1 to 10 is his opening statement about the kingdom. Like, this is like a huge moment, right? Like people have seen him raise, like do miracles and cast demons out, and he's talking in this authority, and a crazy thing happened in the water, and he was in the wilderness, And he's like, all right, now it's time to teach. John Mark Comer, he says that the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes is a manifesto to a whole new way of being human. Corey Russell says that this is the constitution of the kingdom. That this sermon of Jesus is a message of a countercultural way of life. So you guys ready for it? All right, let's read this. <clears throat> says this, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, right, there were crowds. Jesus went up the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him. And he began to teach them. This is what he says. God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. and God blesses those who persecute it for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This big buildup. Jesus is doing all his miracles. This new rule and reign of God is coming to earth. And this is the constitution of this kingdom. Man, that's not that exciting. They're like, God, like, Jesus, where's the miracles? And all the crazy stuff It's like, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. And what I love about this is even now, for some of us, being Christians for some of us decades, we still hear that and we're like, doesn't sound that blessed. I know for me, before I studied this, I've, I've literally read this passage, studying for this series like 50 times. And like my mind, it's just, it's so different. Like anyone else, it's it's just like it doesn't resonate at all. It's like, what? Jesus, what are you talking about? Like you good. And I love this because he's literally like forcing our minds. That literally the way we think is like not even close. <laughs> like there is such a different way of thinking that he is inviting us into. The word bless in Greek is mak- makarios. Say makarios. Learn your Greek for the day. And it literally means happy or fortunate or it's used as as a greeting. It's like saying, congratulations. It's your birthday, makarios. And Jesus is using this word. He's saying, in my kingdom, this is how it operates. If you're poor in spirit, congratulations. You have the happy life. If you are mourning, congratulations. You have the happy life. <laughs> what? Like, I want a happy life. Does anyone else? Like, I like. yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I want to have a good life. Jesus paints this picture for us. He gives us the script. Here you go, guys. Run with it. Have fun. But what's so unique is that This moment in Matthew 5 actually mirrors a moment in Exodus when God gives the Ten Commandments. That in Exodus, God announces, right? He frees the people of Israel and he tells them, right? You're going to be a kingdom of priests, right? Where God is going to be the ruler. And from that moment, a chapter later, God literally speaks to the, the children of Israel, and he announces the Ten Commandments. Do this, do not do this, do not worship idols, do not commit adultery, right? Honor your mother and your father. He, he gives, right, the constitution of what he's establishing, and it's this list of do's and don'ts. And what's so unique, Jesus goes up to a mountain, has crowds of people, and he announces constitution of the kingdom, What's different in the New Covenant is that it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a list of becoming. He's saying, hey, here are eight things that you need to become if you want to have a blessed life. (laughs) What? And in context, Jesus was speaking to the down and out of society. You think if you're going to announce your kingdom, right, you're starting a new kingdom, You'd be like, all right, all the strong, come on, hear what I'm about to say. All the rich, all the the wealthy, all the religious elite, all the powerful, all the influential. But no, Jesus spoke. The crowds that came were the sick, the lame, the poor, the hurting, the oppressed, and what is so countercultural is that everything Jesus said goes against the Jewish understanding to be blessed. Right? To be blessed meant to have material wealth and material right, and health, right? material wealth and health. And if you read, Jesus keeps teaching for the next two chapters to Matthew 7 at the end. It says that the crowds were astonished. Like the word in, in Greek literally means that their minds were like blown. Like, we've never heard anything like this. Like, this is so different. 2,000 years from then, it's still the same. So Jesus is announcing these blessings, these things that we're invited to become if we want to have a full life. What is so unique is that he is speaking into the human experience, right? The poor, the mourning, the meek, the persecuted. He's speaking into the human experience and revealing to us that our pain and weakness are a window into a greater spiritual reality. That is so good. That if you are in his kingdom, if you're mourning right now, take heart, you're blessed. Because there's a deeper spiritual reality that you're gonna be able to tap into that not a lot of people can. That if you are poor, I was gonna make you raise your hand. If you're poor, right? (laughs) Like you have a head start you have a understanding into a window of a spiritual reality that Jesus says will actually bless your entire life. So if you want to have a blessed life or happy life, these are the values to embody. And what is so amazing about these things, as I study them, when you think about, like, why are these blessings, Jesus? I believe part of it, why they're blessing, I believe there's two parts. The first part, why these are blessings is because they reap eternal reward and they have eternal impact, right? Like we read in Proverbs 14, 12, that there is a way that seems right to a man. There is a way that seems right to have a happy life. Man, if I get a really attractive spouse, which I did, come on, you'll have a happy life. If I have tons of money and more money than my neighbor and more money than my parents, then I'll have a happy life. That's what seems right to us. Yeah, if I get, you know, 50,000 Instagram followers and everybody is commenting on my stuff, then I'll have a happy life. That's what seems right. But Jesus reveals all those things are just decaying. All of those are just leading to death. None of those have an eternal reward. None of those have an eternal impact. Like I, I want to leave this world this this world with an eternal impact. This is why these things are blessings. Right, blessed are those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Blessed are the persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom is theirs. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be children of God. When you are a peacemaker, right, you release peace into people's lives. That's an eternal reward. That's an eternal impact. You guys, good. That the way of this kingdom, guys, leads to life and more life. The beauty is that Jesus brought with his new kingdom a new law, a new way of thinking, and a new way of living. That Paul says this line that we all know, right? He says, I rejoice in my weakness because in it he is made strong. What? That's a kingdom reality. That says, even in my chains and my persecution and my suffering, in my weakness, in my inability, I am rejoicing because in it, he is magnified through my life. Like, that is kingdom. Like, we need to think like that, guys. And so I want to break down the A in a way that is digestible. This is the uh, Angie translation. Okay, the meaning behind the sermon. This is why I believe, the meaning behind the sermon. And we're going to take a Sunday for the next eight weeks going into one of the blessings. That the poor in spirit are blessed because they're aware of their need for God. Those who mourn are blessed because he is close to the brokenhearted. The humble are blessed because the last shall be first. Those who hunger for righteousness are blessed because they find their satisfaction in God. The merciful are blessed because mercy triumphs over judgment. The pure in heart are blessed because they can see God rightly without distortion. The peacemakers are blessed because they are walking in the ministry of reconciliation. The persecuted are blessed because they've chosen to break out of comfort and live actively for the kingdom. Come on. So why are these blessings? Because it reaps an eternal reward and it has an eternal impact. But this is the other part. You guys ready? It's that every one of the eight are things that Jesus embodied. That Jesus embodied being poor in spirit. That I can only do what I see the Father doing. That Jesus embodied mourning, Right, his, his heart wept for Lazarus. His heart wept when he entered Jerusalem. That the humble, he embodied humility, Right, the suffering servant. That he had a hunger for righteousness. That he lived a merciful life. He lived a pure life with a pure heart. He lived being a peacemaker and he was persecuted because of the kingdom that he was bringing. The goal here is to embody this sermon because when we embody this sermon and embody these blessings, we embody Jesus. That's it. That's where transformation comes from. That these statements are the full realization of all of our human desires, which is to know God, to be his children, to know his comfort and satisfaction, and to dwell with him forever. Have the worship team come up.